0: because like you know when you live in an apartment you know that letters coming so you're kind of like it might already be tight and so you're all like Mm -hmm. man they're gonna raise the rent on us then it's gonna be tighter we're gonna lose even more money and so you're like counting down the months that you have when your rent's still the same and i didn't have that thought this year i didn't have that that feeling this year because we just know like our mortgage is going to stay the same forever and like that alone is a wealth hack Just knowing that you can grow, but your mortgage can't. You can grow, but your expenses are going to stay the same. Tweet talk episode 126.
1: Are we on the end? Tweet what it sounds like to be the best, the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build yes. wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd McGonigal himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode Golden State Warriors in
0: four. They about to sweep the Mavericks. They might let them get one game at home, but man, the Maver- the, the Golden State Warriors have a super team again. And we thought that when they lost KD, they would never get a super team again. And they got Jordan Poole. They got Wiggins. They got, uh, of course, Clay came back. They got Gary Payton II. Like, really cool things are happening. I love seeing that organization function and thrive. Um, So it's cool to see them back on top. Hopefully, um, it's going to be a dogfight. That could be a seven-game series when they play the Heat because the Heat is no joke. But... I'm happy to see them back.
2: Super team, because I need a team. You need a team. You all
0: need a team. We need a team. If you, if you don't got a team, you don't got nothing, man. If you don't have a team, you don't have anything. I woke up today and um, I, I had a situation with my truck. And so I, I brought in a VA to help me get this truck business running. She got on it. We got her, somebody in that truck. And uh, and and now we got a driver. And so what I did is I told her there's things that I have to do every single day that I can't do every single day. And they're not big things. But if I don't do them, they can make big problems. And so one of the things I'm about to block this retard, like sometimes I say cool stuff. But right now, it's kind of annoying. It's kind of annoying. So anyway, um, I hit her up. And uh, I was like, hey, we just got a truck driver. Is everything situated? She contacted them. And then uh, they're like, oh, no, well we need to get this, 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 this. I was like, I'm not doing that. I was like, this is all the things I need you to do. These are all the instructions for how to get it done. Execute on that thing. Execute on that task. And so I need to follow up with her because I didn't see a response. I didn't see a yay or a nay, which kind of is not cool to me, in my opinion. Um, but. The thing is, is I'm not doing it anymore because I know that if it's up to me, it will not get done. If it's up to me to get rebounds, rebounds will not get done. It's not my job to get rebounds. It's my job to draw up the play. It's my job to just do one single role. And I think that a lot of business owners, we can get caught up trying to play every position on the floor and then you end up being ineffective. And so for me, I'm learning that for, the, for my business to function at a high level, I got to pass the ball. I got to get other people involved. And then when they get involved, everything starts clicking. So one of the things that I'm doing is I have somebody who only creates content. He's giving me like 10 new posts a day. I love it. And that's what I need. I need 10 new posts a day. I might not use all 10. I might use two. But I'm, I still have quality content in my inbox every single day that's new, that's fresh, that's innovative that looks good. He's improving. And now that function of my business is just thriving. I have somebody who she was just booking up podcast guests. I said, give me a hundred podcast guests. That division of my business is thriving. I have somebody who I said, Hey, handle the truck. That division of my business is thriving. So what I do is just like on a team, I bring in people, I give them one role. I don't want you doing a bunch of different things. I don't want you trying to be Mr. Everything. I want you to dominate that role. And as I do that, I'm starting to just see crazy success. And we're going to only continue to see even crazier success. So really cool things are happening.
2: That's cool, man. Can't build big business by yourself, man. Welcome to Tweet Talk, where we talk about building black wealth and we dissect financial tweets. Man, got the live podcast coming this weekend, Charles. How's it it's looking? going
0: down? It's going down. I'm excited. Uh, we've been getting a lot of tickets sold. so We're gonna have a lot of really cool people in the building, and of course, we're gonna have Dr. Kimbro himself and me myself. And I'm breaking out the red bottoms, man. I'm bringing my new fancy <laughs> shoes that I got in Vegas for my anniversary. So I'm gonna be swag. I'm gonna make sure everybody see the bottom of my soul. Because actually, you do when you got red bottoms, you know, you got to make sure they see your, <laughs> your soul. And um, but one of the reasons why I pulled the trigger on those shoes is because high quality dress shoes are an asset. High quality dress shoes are going to cost about a thousand dollars and they're going to last forever. I have dress shoes that I've literally had forever. And I've been increasingly, I've been steadily increasing the quality of my professional attire. And so I was like, you know, if I'm a some and and then I tried them on, you could just tell like the quality is there. If you spend a a lot of money, you're usually going to get a a good quality. Um, That's just another thing I'm finding. It's like, you got to spend the money to get what you really want and to get what's going to last. Notice that in the vehicle that we drive, notice that in the house that we live in, all that stuff, like quality truly matters. But you guys want to be there. We're going to have a question and answer session. We're also going to have some other preliminary podcast schedule. We're going to have Andre C. Hatch in the building, Erica Williams in the building, Henry Amaze in the building, Bruce Hill, New Skills and you in the building. Of course, Michelle Welch in the building and the one and only Todd Billy in the building. So it's going to be an exciting time. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to not only this, but also the other events that we have coming up. You know, we got the Black Men Building Wealth Conference coming back. So look forward to that. That's going to be so crazy. Um, I don't know who we have speaking yet, but I know it's going to be powerful. Last time we did it, it was a 14-hour just straight content fest. It was person after person after person. We had a ton of people show up. It was about maybe 200 people on there at one point in time. I think, I'm not sure. It was a long time ago. Um, and then we raised a bunch of money and gave a bunch of money away so we're probably going to do the same exact thing this time, raise a bunch of money and give a bunch of money away to African-American men who are looking to do great things, either through their charity or through their business, because we need help. And I'm one of the people that I'm not out here waiting for nobody to help me. I'm not over here asking nobody to help me. I'm not begging. I'm not voting, I'm not protesting. I'm going to create something. And my creation is going to allow my people to prosper.
2: So that's where we at, man. You said, yeah, the two, you said create, don't wait. And speaking in those shoes, You said expensive things look different when you separate time from money. A $1,000 shirt equals 10 courses at $100 each. It's easy to process that. And that that $1,000 shirt costs you a whole week of your life.
0: Yeah, and um, I was thinking about this in a few different ways. One of the ways I was thinking about it is a lot of times, like when I was in my building stage, I would always say, like, it's stupid to spend a bunch of money on, like, Gucci or Louis or that kind of stuff. And I had a revelation. It's only stupid if you're not making a lot of money. If you're not making a lot of money, it doesn't make sense to spend a lot of money on clothes. So if you're still in the building phase, if you don't have six figures put away in an investment account, if you aren't strong in the foundation of your finances, you should not be buying things that give off the perception that you are in a strong place in your finances. And so like the foundation should be set. You should have some rental properties in your portfolio. You should have some stocks in your portfolio. You should have some dividends in your portfolio. And you should be able to make sure that your children are taken care of, not just in terms of if they can eat, but is their education taken care of? And not just education taken care of in the immediate moment, but can you continue to fund their education as they go through college and as they go through maybe grad school if they so desire? And then even providing an income source after that. And so what I've done is we always talk about this. I created that dividend paying Account that pays for my son's education, but it's gonna—it's never gonna stop. Like it's not like a a job where it can come and it goes. It's not like some sort of a thing that can come and it can go. When you pay for things with assets, when you pay for things with cash flow, now you put yourself in position to have what we call permanent income. Permanent income means that it's income that never goes away. So that income is going to take care of his elementary school. It's going to take care of his middle school. It's going to take care of his high school. It's going to take care of his college, and it's going to provide him some income when he's off doing his own thing. And it's going to provide that foundation and that support that a lot of us never had. Now, the great thing about dividends is usually they increase. So he's going to get a pay raise as all is going on. So what looks like what it is now is going to continue to grow. Another thing we did is we bought a rental property form that I'm still tightening up the details on, but we're going to get that thing going, probably going to turn it into an Airbnb because it's a really good looking property and just got to decorate and do all that stuff. But the real point of this, this this post is that it's a different way of thinking. And one thing that I realized once you start getting into these spaces is you might wonder, like, why would somebody spend a quarter million dollars on a watch? Why would somebody spend two million dollars on a car? More money than people might earn in their lifetime. Why? Because they earn their money differently. So we're still in a barter system where you have people who buy these ultra high end goods. Because they sell goods. And so they're not exchanging hours of their life for these things. And so you look at somebody who maybe spent a quarter million dollars on a on a a watch, you're like, man, that's two years of income. That's three years of income. That's stupid. No, it's not. He probably could have generated that money in 30 minutes, 60 minutes, a a month, a week, whatever that might look like. Because now he's exchanging goods and services with the, the marketplace to afford himself those luxuries. And so it's a different line of thinking. And it was interesting because when I posted that. Um, Anthony Hartzog, he said, it's, it's almost kind of like unreal, and it's true. It's like when I was earning money with my time, the idea of spending whatever I might spend on a, on an item was just insane. But now that I un- earn money through products, all I'm doing is is exchanging my products for their products. I might have to go from one person to the next, but I'm still getting there. And so the solution is create products so that then you can live the life that you want create things so that then you can buy things as opposed to working very, very hard because it's just a different mindset. And also when you start doing the math, and I I think that this kind of resonated with me when Chris Johnson said it. He's like a lot of people think that like a thousand dollars is working a job for 40 hours a week at $25 an hour. Or you could sell 40 products for $25. Like in a day. It's it's almost effortless to sell 40 products compared to working 40 hours, working 40 hours. Is, is hard. It's grueling. It's frustrating. It's tiring. You're commuting. You're listening to people talk to you crazy. You're having customers talk to you crazy. you having clients talk to you crazy. you having bosses and managers look at you crazy all for that thousand so dollars. That thousand dollars is going to feel a lot different than if you just like literally sent out some tweets, sent out some links <laughs> and you made that thousand dollars. It's way different. Way different.
2: I saw you retweeted a tweet from um, or you, you quoted somebody, B Malcolm 21, time and location, freedom through making money online is the ultimate motivation.
0: Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I just saw. I just saw. Um, I forget if I'm thinking of Ms. Ashley, Ashley Johnson, and she posted something that I've said before, and she was saying that when you make digital or online money, you can make money on a toilet. You can make money while you're sleeping. You can make money on a boat. You can make money on vacation. And to a lot of us, we never had that luxury. For a large majority of my life, I was only able to make money if I was in that office and if that office was open. If the office was closed, I couldn't make no money. And so I'll never forget. I want to say that the time that it really resonated with me is we're on a boat in Cabo And I got a sale for like 250 bucks while I'm on a boat. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And this is when I was still working a day job. Things hadn't really taken off for me. And so I was like shocked. And it came through Cash App. And I think I just like gave it to my wife. I was like, here, here's 250. But like, what was cool about that is it sparked something inside of me. It sparked something inside of me to know that like, there is a whole other world out there. And it's a more free world. Meaning that now I can earn money if I'm golfing, I can earn money when I'm traveling, if I'm on a plane, all that stuff. And so like that's really the power of products. And when you really look at the world, the whole world is moved by producers. Elon Musk is a billionaire, not because he's a nice guy or a hard worker, even though he's both of those things. Elon Musk is a billionaire because he sells cars. Hmm. Walmart, they're billionaires because they sell everything. Bezos is a billionaire because he sells everything, not because he created the software, not because he created the website, because he sells things. And for a long part of my life, I used to think that sales was like a bad word. I think in the black community, we sometimes think that sales is like beneath us. It's lowest. Like, oh, I don't want to be on the corner selling stuff like that's not what that's not fancy. I went to college and they wanted me to be out there selling things. And I was like, man, like this is lame. I'm supposed to be behind a, a desk making six figures just for existing. And that never came, but I think that we put that kind of a career on a pedestal and then we demean the person on the corner with the store, the person selling burgers. Miss um, Cynthia, one of the people came in and they they like, they they like look down on her almost because she like sells burgers. She's rich and they in that community. Miss Cynthia is very wealthy. Not only is she wealthy because of the income that her business generates, which it generates about a million dollars a year, but that income allows her to then go buy homes. They, um... She was previously married and when she got divorced, she kept the house. That house is in, in South Central Los Angeles. It's a million dollar property, no debt. She has another house in like the Cerritos area.
1: I shouldn't be telling all their details. But that's how this is basically paid off. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working the job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio on Instagram at Partner with Millie or on Instagram at Todd.capital or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. The business that they operate out of, her dad bought the
0: land, built the structure, they paid off all the debt. And so that's how they can still exist in business because they have no actual rent or mortgage expense. Very wealthy. Why? Selling products. Selling products will allow you to eliminate all your debt. Selling products will allow you to get to that freedom that you so desire. One of the most amazing examples of this, and I, I really want people to catch this, is the Hartzogs. Instead of the Hartzogs working hard and grinding, doing overtime to pay off their debt, they built a business. They built a business that business generated enough income to pay off all their student loans. And you know what happened? They kept the business. Permanent income. Now the business allows them to be free. Now they built a million dollar business. Permanent income. Are you building a source of permanent income that's never going to go away? Don't solve your problems with hard work. Solve your problems with product. Solve your problems with your creation. Solve your problems with what you can think about and what you can bring to market. And that's why I'm so like aggressive with the mastermind members and letting them know, like, you need to release more things. You need more product. If you're not hitting your income goals, it's because you don't have enough product. You don't have enough marketing. You're not selling hard enough. That's what's going to get you to that goal. Yeah.
2: You say that I saw you uh, tweeted out a clip of this lady in an interview. I didn't. I didn't watch the interview, but she was saying "sell the course until courses run out." So I didn't yeah. watch the interview. What, what did What did that mean to you, though?
0: Um. Well, really, I want to say that's long. That's a part of a longer clip, right. and in that clip, she was just talking about how if you have a skill set, you should be teaching people that skill set. If you cut hair, you should be teaching people that skill set. If you do nails, teach people that. If you know how to remodel a house, teach people that. And there's this dynamic that exists where you can make a lot of money doing something. You can also make a lot of money teaching people how to do that thing because that thing is still valuable. That thing was still free people. If you teach people how to do hair, how to cut their own hair, you're still going to improve the lives of other people. I teach, teach people how to trade options. That's improved the lives of other people as well as myself. And A lot of people aren't willing to give up their sauce. They're like, nah, this is my sauce. I'm keeping it. And I was having this conversation with a barber in Atlanta, and I was telling him that you can't cut every hair in America, but you can teach everybody in America how to cut hair. And that is the opportunity. But what people do is they work so hard to refine their craft that they hold on to their craft. And I was thinking about this today in that Bible story where God gives Different people, different talents, right? And he gives one man, seven talents, one man, five talents, one man, one talent. I'm not sure if the numbers are accurate, but the people who had the seven talents and the five talents, they took their talents and they put them out there and they multiplied. The person who had one talent, he took his talent and he hid it. And God took his talent away. He said, you haven't been faithful uh, with what I've given you. I'm giving your talent to other people. And there's a lot of people out there with talent and they're hiding it. And that's why they aren't blessed. That's why they aren't blessed. Whatever your skill set is, is your talent. If it's management, if it's podcasting, if it's education, if you are hiding your talent, you're going to not be blessed. And your community needs your talent. We are a community that lacks prosperity, that lacks wealth and lacks value because we don't give value to our people. I gave my value to my people and I made my people more valuable. I've created multiple millionaires. My content has created multiple millionaires. My content has created multiple free people. Why? Because I gave my talent away, and therefore they're blessed and I'm blessed. If you do not give your talent to your people, you are robbing your people. You can talk about racism all you want. You could talk about President Donald Trump all you want, but you're no better than him if you're not adding value to your community. You're no better than a racist person if you aren't adding value to your community. You're robbing your community. You are not allowing your community to prosper and flourish. That's selfish. And I'm looking at you the same way y'all look at the racism. If you, if you ain't building, you are effectively tearing it down because it's degrading. It's deteriorating. You're tearing it down through your inaction.
2: Hmm. Charles is saying, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. That's funny. You're saying, uh, give me your talents, but some people don't see it like that. Like They see it as selling courses or selling information is somehow wrong
0: and it's beneath them. Sounds like what I just said before, right? Yeah. We have a problem with selling in this community. We think selling is bad. We think selling is beneath us. And that was one of the things she said as well. It's like, oh, I don't want to be known as a course creator. Course creator is rich, fam. <laughs> and they have impact. We got money and impact. Anywhere I go, people know me. You don't want impact. You don't want people to say that you improved their life, that you helped them make eighty thousand dollars,
2: or even a thousand dollars a month. Like that's life changing for some people. That is life changing for some people. A thousand dollars extra a month, and you don't have to work a second job. That could be life changing for some people. And the thing, the thing is, a lot of people. Uh, want to sell online because they want, they don't want to work because they think it, they hear passive income. They don't want to work, but you had a tweet where you were saying your income is directly tied to your effort.
0: Uh, that's an older tweet, but I I would say that you're 100% right. And that's true. Even the, in the, the digital product space, like digital products, isn't magic. You still got to grind. You still got to promote. You still got to advertise. You still got to spend money. You still got to show up and go on podcasts and create podcasts and go on Instagram live. There's no free lunches. It's just a different kind of lunch. It's a different kind of meal and it's available to us all because unfortunately, as African-Americans, we've been shut out of a lot of things. We've been shut out of a lot of businesses and a lot of opportunities and they do it with money. And so they the, one of the ways that they control people these days isn't with skin color. It's with resources. And they just conveniently deny you resources. You can't get a bank loan. You can't get a job that's going to pay you more than enough to take care of your family and also have enough money to save and invest. They're doing it on purpose. Why? Back in the day. Back in the day, pretty much everybody made the same amount of money. And that's why black folks could live in a white neighborhood. And so they're like they did all these things. And I'll never forget I was in con law. And we used to read all these cases about different things that they would do to try to keep black people out of their community, because since they had passed all these um, like civil rights laws, it allowed black folks to move into white communities. And so. Um, They're like, F, we can't keep them out, like how are we going to keep them out? And so they would enforce they would like write these codes and make these rules. And these covenants, and the covenants would essentially say, like, you can't sell this this property to a Black family. And, like, that was still in the books. Like, people would look at their deeds, and it's still in the original deed for the property. Like, you can't sell this property to a Black family. So what happened is they challenged whether those were constitutional. Can this prevent somebody from buying this property? And the Supreme Court ultimately said, like, no, this is unconstitutional because it's based on race, and you can't um, Preventing people from living there based on race. And so they're like, damn, well, what can we do now? And so I don't think they quit. People who go through yeah. that much effort to keep you out do not quit. And so right. that's one of the things that I tell people is like racism didn't go away. It disappeared. In the sense that you can't see it, but it's still there. Meaning if it disappeared, it still exists. There's a reason why the inner city looks like it looks. But the problem is, is we don't even have the honesty to accept that it's still there. We don't have the honesty to accept that racism's still alive, they just be concealing it. And so the reason why that's a problem is that if you can't see it, you can't adapt to it. The reason why mm-hmm. the civil rights, why civil rights um, worked out, um, hold on, people were, people were talking in the comments and I was seeing it. So the reason why civil rights worked out is because it was racism that you could see. You can't eat here. You can't sit here. Your kids can't go to school here. And so they knocked each one of those things down. But then what happens? Then you have private schools. And so you have these private schools where they keep you out. And it's not because they're racist because you can't afford it. But that school conveniently has no Black people in it. So they've effectively created what they want. I don't share this because I want to get into their institutions. I share it so that we can know that Mother F has never loved us. Therefore, we need to create, build and support our own. And that's what I was talking about since the beginning of time. And that's all I want people to understand is that, like, it's it's not going to change. But if you want better, you got to do it and you got to build it.
2: Yeah, it's funny because it's like you got to think about it. Like you said, people put in that much effort to hold us down. You think they just gave up because somebody passed a law. Somebody said, "Yeah, you better stop that. You better stop that. And they were, and they went like, oh, shucks. It don't work like that. Especially if, it, if the government itself is, is the one behind most of the oppression anyway. Like right. they, wrote, they wrote the oppression in the laws. And those are the people you depend on to write it out of law and have a change of heart. It does not work like that, man.
0: One of the things work. I tell people is the government ain't nothing but a bunch of people. We like to sit here and think that the government is this magnificent magic ethos. Nah, it's people, ordinary people who go home and live daily lives and have friends and have people that like are in their network and they're part of these organizations like they're just normal people and they might play a role and play politics. But at the end of the day, like the same people, like the same people who like there's racist folks in the government, too. (laughs) Right.
2: And in law enforcement. At all levels. I remember that there was somebody, I forgot where I saw it, but they were saying the FBI had looked into all the law enforcement agencies and it it was like shocking how much uh how many white supremacists or no that's not even the word, like but I guess white supremacist groups had infiltrated pretty much every law enforcement agency at at various levels. Right. Like these people didn't just disappear. They didn't just stop telling their kids what they believed in.
0: They just so, stopped yeah. saying it out loud. They just stopped saying it in public. Right. They just stopped getting caught on camera talking about it. Most of the time,
2: <laughs> <laughs> most of the time. And, and to
0: be, to, to be clear, I have nothing. I have no problem with racist people. I don't, I just want us to adapt. I just, I want us to understand what's really going on because it's said that we have people who are stagnant because they think all our problems have gone away because they haven't gone away and the only solution is teamwork and us coming together and putting together systems and supporting each other and building it up for ourselves. so like, that's what I'm saying is, and that's what I'm trying to really get through people's heads is like, it didn't go away. They ain't going to save you. Reparations ain't coming. Joe Biden is not the savior.
2: Right, right, right. Be sure to follow us folks on Twitter at TweetTopPod. Tweet talk P O D. Follow Charles on Twitter at Real Todd Billion. Follow myself on Twitter at WorkMoney Life. And for y'all on Instagram, follow us at TweetTalkPodcast. Podcast and follow the parent company, Todd Capital, at Todd.capital. And let's jump into this episode's segment of Black Billionaire Banter. It's one of the biggest stories of the week so far. The honeypot story. I know a lot of you already heard about it and be buzzing about it. And if you haven't heard it, about it, there's a company started by a black woman called the Honeypot Company. Uh, they sell feminine hygiene products, uh, particularly a wash. And so I guess they, somebody realized or people realized that the ingredients in one of the washes had changed. And they went to Twitter about it. And they complained, but then but they were started calling her all types of names. They, for some reason, all all they knew is that the, the ingredients changed. And the first thing I said on Twitter is that oh, she sold the company, and they changed the ingredients. She's a sellout, selling it to white people. They changed the ingredients on us. They don't tell us. She doesn't tell us. And then it went to like, these black founders are just greedy. They just use us. To build up the company and fill their pockets, and I'm like, man, crazy! Like from one little change on—well, it wasn't a little change. But I understand where they were mad because of the nature of the product. But they jumped to all types of assumptions and conclusions, and just started attacking her personally. Like, shit it ain't right, man. Like I don't, and nobody's DMing Jeff Bezos, calling him <laughs> names. There's something goes wrong on Amazon, man. And then on top of that, they still go back to Amazon anyway. No matter how mad they get. Netflix,
0: all these companies change their policies and folks still just be supporting them.
1: Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business generating thousands per month and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. And none of them really t- none of
2: them really announce it. except having five print. But they change the ingredients all the time. They don't they don't they don't make announcements. But they came at her like crazy. And it's like proof of, of what some people say. Like some, I will say some. Black women don't like black women as much as they say they do. Mm. Some of them,
0: I actually believe that because a lot of that stuff is fake. A lot of a lot of it is fake love. It's like they just kind of like do it so that they don't be seen. They, so they're not seen as like a B word, you know. But
2: you know, it was crazy. And it's like you said, how do people feel like they get to tell people how to run their business?
0: What's your experience with that? Um, I mean, it happens to a lot of us. We've seen it. We've seen it with Jay Morrison, we've seen it with pretty much anybody with a public platform. Um, I don't underst I don't know why people do it. Maybe we've talked about this before. How kind of people feel like since they're a consumer that they know how a business should be ran and they can give you all the tips and like, well, you should have done this and you should have done that, and you should be doing this. And like it's easy to say that from the outside in. Um But when you're actually in it, like you have no idea why she changed the ingredients and you're willing to like ruin her and her company over just that. But in a lot of instances, some people are just looking for a reason. I think people are just looking for whatever reason they can find to tear down success because and I made a post about this. I was like, if you really cared, why didn't you like just ask her, send a DM? But no, Hmm. they just resorted to like, no, no. We, and this is what, another thing I said is like, if, if it was really like a genuine concern, like you wouldn't have immediately jumped to like tearing down the company, like, oh, we're not shopping here anymore. And you guys shouldn't shop here either. And this is mm-hmm. why. It's like, for me, that's why it speaks to jealousy. And so like success creates silent enemies and mm-hmm. people, they're going to be envious of you, not because of anything else, but they're going to justify it. And so a lot of times what happens is, They're going to come at you to tear it down your business, but they're not going to do it behind like their true motives. They're not going to show up and say, I'm a hater. You're making more money than me. And so therefore I want you to be unsuccessful. No, they're going to say, oh, well, you shouldn't be teaching people how to trade stock options. Oh, you shouldn't be um, selling your courses for so much money, or you shouldn't be whatever the issue might be. It's always going to come behind some noble, uh, kind of cause, quote noble, and so somebody said that's the real black on black crime, it, and it is. <laughs> it's like I, I personally think that a large, like all black folks, didn't want civil rights. Like all black folks, like that wasn't just like the common Negro narrative. It's sold to us as that, but it wasn't the common Negro narrative. Just like like there is actually like black conservatives. If you read the book, I want to say. um David and Goliath, it says that like Martin Luther King Jr., his marches in a lot of instances weren't really as big as they were perceived to be. The way that he made them seem bigger is he would host his marches on Sundays when people were getting out of church so they'd already be out and on the streets anyway. So then it would give the perception that the movement was larger than it actually was. And so I bring that up because I, I believe that there might have been some people who were kind of jealous of even the success that other black business people were having. And they're like, well, I'm not successful. I'm not uh, achieving that. So it's like, I don't really care if your business succeeds or fails. And so mm-hmm. I think we do need to approach our economics a lot more inclusive, like our economics shouldn't be exclusive. Everybody should have a partic- or, uh, the ability to participate. And I think that's why, um, like, the white community builds their wealth the way they do it with the stock market and allowing people to have ownership in all these organizations because they realize like if if too many individuals are successful, it's going to topple down. You can't be top heavy. You have to have it spread out amongst the masses. So we don't just need a few black rich people. We need everybody to be rich because if you don't, they're going to eat you. They're going to eat the rich. They Mm. ate me when the options community was what it was. Literally, people were upset that I was making one hundred thousand dollars a month. And that's why they tore it down. It had nothing to do with information. It had nothing to do with my personality. It had nothing to do with anything. It was that I was making $100,000 a month. And so they actively went after my community. They literally sent DMs to people. They opened up their own things and they funneled people out of my group. Why? Because they didn't like the fact that I was having this success. I made the mistake of not spreading it around enough. I thought I was spreading it around enough. I didn't spread it around enough, apparently. Maybe I should have just cut it in half, said, I'm gonna take 50 off the top and I'll let everybody else take 50. And I'll split the other 50 amongst my admins. So therefore, they're making eight grand a piece a month. Maybe that's what I should have done. Lesson learned on my part. But essentially, what I'm saying is that like we have to really analyze the motives of, of the critics. We can't just take whatever a critic says as though it's noble, because another example of this is Tony the Closer. Analyze the motives of a critic. You have somebody who's literally going after Jay Morrison, rallying people behind him over a personal beef, over a personal issue. And it's not even over a personal issue, it's really because he didn't want to work with him. It has nothing to do with the actual details of the falling out. It's everything to do with he pulled out of the event. He didn't want to work with him. And he got upset about that. But what fresh what's interesting to me about that is before that happened, he was happy. He was mm-hmm. bragging there, riding around in limos, flashing cash. It was lit. And so, like that's one of the things that I've noticed is people will love you until you cut them off. Then you cut them off and now you're the enemy. Now you all things bad. When I was cutting the check, we was homies. When I was cutting the check, you have nothing negative to say. When I pulled that check away, now all of a sudden I'm all these negative qualities. Like what changed? The motive. That's the only thing to change. Analyze the motives of the critics. You need to be looking at the reason why somebody's criticizing somebody to truly make a decision on whether their criticism is valid. Because you guys could be destroying something that is potentially great. And we did and we continue to do it. We're continuing to do it.
2: Yeah, Tony also turned on him 500. And it was like, you gotta ask yourself, is these people that you're saying are scammers, really scammers, how come you only, how come you only tell us that these scammers once you lost on some money or on a deal or something? All of a sudden, they didn't pay you what you thought you should be paid, and all of a sudden they're scammers. Right,
0: scammer is the new N-word. People people just be people just be throwing it around. They don't even have any like they like, you know who is a scammer? I be getting emails. Like my wife got an email and it said it was for me, but it was from like some random thing and it had like a link. That's a scam. Again, we think that selling is beneath people. As a culture, we think selling is bad. Therefore, we correlate selling with scam. We correlate selling a product Mm. with a scam. We correlate creating a fund as a scam because we just are ignorant in that space. We're ignorant of business and investing. And that's okay to be ignorant, but it's not okay to be ignorant and opinionated. And there's a lot of folks mm. out here that are ignorant with very large mouths and very large platforms. And they're leading people the wrong way. And they're destroying something that could be potentially great. Tulsa real estate fund had the potential and still does have the potential to be something really great. And they have built something really great. That black house is a magnificent structure. And it's literally a landmark in the community. And now it has like a black mark on it, all because of some ignorance and misinformation. Ignorance and misinformation and ego. Funny thing is, if you're
2: ignorant, you're supposed to get yourself educated before you start throwing out opinions,
0: like you said, man. Education is hard, though. That's why a lot of people don't do it. Thinking is the hardest work. That's why most people don't do it. Most people don't think they follow. And they just going to follow whoever's the loudest, whoever posts the most.
2: Yeah, man. It's crazy. Now you had a tweet where you said millionaire minded people are moved by a few hundred or a few thousand dollars. Very so important
0: easy. tweet. Easy to reinvest when your vision is larger. Very important. Um, I've done deals. Specifically, I did it. I'll never forget. We bought a rental property and it was a bunch of us in this rental property. And like people expected that as soon as the property cash flowed, that we were just gonna start just sending out money, like, oh, here's your money, here's your money, here's your money. And it wouldn't have been that much money. It'd have been like a few hundred bucks a month. My thinking is this ain't no money because I got yacht, I got yacht goals, I got yacht vision, I got mansion vision, I got Ferrari vision. And you don't get to yacht mansion Ferrari over a hundred bucks. So what do you do? You reinvest it, you put that money back to work so that it becomes larger. And so like that is what a millionaire minded person is going to do. A millionaire minded person is focused on the large picture because so I can't do nothing with a hundred bucks, but reinvest it. And so what happens is small minded people will kill a large deal or potentially large deal. And so you can't even do business with people who don't understand that. And unfortunately, that is a large part of the reason why um, like investing, like in terms of like accredited investors and whatnot, people who can participate in these deals. Was so limited? I used to think they were holding people out. Like, oh man, they're holding black folks down. They don't want us to invest in these projects that could potentially make people money. But what the problem is, is if you go into a deal with the wrong mindset, you will kill the deal. You'll ruin it for everybody. You'll literally, we have properties now that have appreciated three and four times that if we were out here, like pulling out the cash and doing all these things, we would have lost the properties. We wouldn't have any cash to sustain the business. And so you have to have like and I think that's why I've never really been moved by like the small stuff. Like I'm not really like I don't get excited over the few hundreds. I don't get excited over the the small stuff. And I just I would I was wondering why am I like this? Why why am I not over here like jumping up and down because a tenant paid $900? Because I don't want $900. But I know that I got to go through that to grow to where I want to grow to. And so essentially what you want to do is you kind of want to sell those properties and reinvest it into a larger thing in terms of monopoly. But the most important thing that you can take from this is if you're in a trend, like, and I, I would say like another, another example of this is kind of like the Tulsa real estate fund. It's like folks were over here, like harassing people over their dividend not realizing like in the beginning of a company, your responsibility is to reinvest the dividends. Like companies like Amazon, companies like Tesla, companies like Google, they don't pay dividends, and their shareholders don't care because they're focused on the growth, they're focused on the big stuff. Those early employees of those tech companies, they take less money because they're getting stock because they're focused on the big stuff, and that's how become that's how they become millionaires and billionaires. I would rather us reinvest the Tulsa real estate fund dividends. I would rather us reinvest the money that the small business is making in the beginning to grow it into a large business. That's how business works. Now, the problem is we got a lot of people who don't understand business, never done business, and they're in a business. And now they're using their naive mindset to ruin what could potentially be great. And so I think that is why like those laws are in place. That's the reason why. And I used to really think that it was like, oh, they're against us. They're holding us back. But like it's like,
1: if you don't have
0: the knowledge, at least kind of like heed to the people that do have the knowledge. Like, don't just be on here just talking. I see people in the comments all the time. They don't even understand any of the stuff in terms of how that stuff works, but they have these strong opinions. Ignorance and opinions don't match. Are you talking about the accredited investor rule? Is that right. what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, look that up, folks. Yeah, I mean, I kind of get it. Oh, that's what I was going to say. The reason why the accredited investor rule is also important is because typically somebody who is an accredited investor, which is somebody who I want to say has a net worth of over a million dollars, not including the personal residence and somebody who makes, I want to say $200,000 $200, for like the past two years, th- that person probably built a business. <laughs> so they understand like in the beginning years, we ain't taking no money out of this thing. And so, like, that's also the cor- the correlation is like you want to build a business with people who build businesses, not people who work jobs and get paychecks because a paycheck person is looking for that check. A paycheck minded person is looking for that paycheck to paycheck. They live two weeks by two weeks.
2: Yeah. And even even the ones who are regular paycheck um, wage earners at that 200 plus salary and above, like they at least understand discipline and long-term vision because they didn't, they didn't start making two hundred thousand dollars when they were 18. Most, most, most of
0: them. Right. They probably are doctors, lawyers, and they had to go through like eight years of schooling and patience to get there. Um, and they also are probably investors too. So they understand this stuff doesn't happen overnight. And another thing is, and this is one of the things that I was talking about before is like how mayor or like college and marrying a woman that you went to college with is a life hack because she understands a long vision as well. Like one thing that I know about my wife is I know that she can stick with something for a long-term for the long-term payout because she went to college and she stuck it out for the long-term payout. Mm-hmm. And so like, I know that that is going to heed well in a marriage that I want to last for a long time, even if it might go through a tough time temporarily.
2: Now this tweet, I want to make sure we touch on. You say, if you made five figures with side, your side hustle, sell that. You don't need to brand it as six figures to get money. Explain that. Yeah.
0: Um, in the mastermind, one of the members, he he said he's teaching people how to make six figures with a certain product. And so Bruce asked him, he said, have you made six figures with that product? And he was like, uh, no. And so like, he kind of like, he felt, I don't, I don't know how he felt. Hopefully, he's, if he is watching this, he knows how I feel. I definitely support him in all his endeavors. But I told him, I was like, you don't have to sell what you haven't done you have to sell what you've done if it's remarkable. If you made five figures on the side of your job, that is remarkable. Most people don't do that. And so you want to be true to your product. That's one of the things that I did. I didn't come out and say how to quit your job with stock options. I said how to make five figures with stock options. Why? Because I did that. And my course is true to that. And so that's how you're going to find success. That's how you're going to be able to ethically market your product. And that's how you're going to be able to. Um, I think, get true results for your students. Because if you're selling somebody on six figures and you didn't make six figures, your product's not going to track to that. And therefore, you're going to be disappointing your customers. They're going to buy it, hopefully to make six figures. They're going to make five figures. And they're going to be pissed off at you because you sold them a dream, even though that's still a success. So it's like, you got you to gotta set what's there. And you also have to be content with who you are, knowing that who you are is good enough. What you've accomplished is good enough. And that's okay. Like, be true to you. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. We live, in that era of, we live in this like fake era of six figures. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of this fake era of six figures. I'm sick of people telling me they make six figures. I'm sick of people throwing around six figures, talking about six figures ain't no money. Six figures, this and that. Like it's just crazy. Get rid of this whole this whole six figures talk, y'all. It's it's <laughs> pissing off me and my homeboys.
2: <laughs> Come join the Millie family. Be sure to join our Patreon. You drop the link in the
0: in the, yeah, uh, man. the chat. Because we're gonna start turning off these episodes in like 45 minutes and just going an extra 15 minutes exclusive to Patreon listeners. Yep. Exactly this or would be like, the be. last this would like be the last free freebie y'all get. So join yeah. the Patreon while you can. It's only two dollars. You got two dollars, man.
2: You definitely got two dollars. Spend more than that at a chicken spot or whatever. But um, now. This one, I don't know, this one might be an old one, but you said, I see so many people who thought they knew better than me circling back to my methods after they crap out. Man,
0: it's crazy. I've just seen like, we went through a really unique era. My course is really based on like a normal stock market, a normal stock market that we're not typically in right now, but we're on the way to. And my course blew up during an abnormal stock market when everything was going up. Um, and also in a time when like, since the, the, the market was so out of whack that like what would normally work wasn't working. And so people were like, Oh, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. I'm trying something different. And so they tried stuff different. And then when they figured out that, like when the market kind of returned to normal, they're like, Oh, like Charles is actually right. This is working. I saw Kevin make like, and I don't know if this is true or not. Cause some people kind of are skeptical about his, his posts, but let's just assume that it's true. <laughs> I saw somebody make like seven figures on a trade using my strategy. I saw seven make like $100,000 on a trade using my strategy because my strategy, it works in a normal stock market. And we're, last year was kind of normalized. This year we're on decline because of all the inflation, but specifically because of the raising interest rates. But as this kind of like fades and we kind of start to stabilize, it's going to pop. And it still is kind of popping. And so what I've just found is like, what's really important with this is you got to stay true to you. Because honestly, I started second guessing my strategy. Like, does my strategy really work? Like, I don't know. Like, maybe I need to revisit some stuff. And so I kind of like took a break. And then I was like, you know, you know what? F that. I'm trading what works for me and what I know works. I'm not going out here following around all these newbie people because even the newbie people, they were like, finding different strategies, trying those strategies, proclaiming those strategies as gospel. And then they look back on themselves. Like, I can't believe I was doing that. Like they were talking about like using like EMA crossovers as an indicator to trade. And like, I can't believe I was doing that because they're just like searching for searching for a way to find something. But they are proclaiming that as like the new replacement for the Thai capital strategy. And I just found is like, really? And I think another kind of theme of this episode is really just staying true to who you are. If you can stay true to who you are and don't listen to the naysayers, don't listen to the crowd, don't listen to anybody, you'll be all right. Honestly, I think that that lady was going to be all right. Social real estate fund is still all right. They still got supporters. Jay and Dr. Boy still be rocking. And you just got to deal with the negative, the, the naysayers and the critics. Naysayers and critics are a part of life, especially as a part of success. And i like to use LeBron James as an example of this. Like there's people out there who hate LeBron James, who say he's not good at basketball, whatever they want to say. He has a lot of critics. A lot of people who say he's not Michael Jordan. He's not this, he's not that. But that's just a part of being that dude. When you're that dude, 50% of the people are going to hate you. 50% of the people are going to love you. But you can't focus on the people that hate you. You got to focus on the people that love you because people that love you is more than enough. So be authentic to you and you'll find people that love you. And then anybody else, they can kick rocks. Kick rocks. Now,
2: <laughs> you
0: said Chase sent us
2: a back three thousand because we overpaid our property taxes, and apartment never gave me any
0: money back. No money back. Yeah, I was, and and I, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. Maybe they'll recalibrate our mortgage so that we're not overpaying it. But it was just. This amazing revelation. This is our first house that we bought, and one of the first things I noticed—we lived here for about a year. Yeah, just the first, like personal residence. And so, we lived here for a year and a half, and after that first year, we realized they didn't send us no rent increase letter, (laughs) (laughs) send us no mortgage increase letter. We, because like you know, when you live in an apartment, you know that letter's coming, so you're kind of like it might already be tight. And so you're all like, Mm. man, they're going to raise the rent on us. Then it's going to be tighter. We're going to lose even more money. And so you're like counting down the months that you have when your rent's still the same. And I didn't have that thought this year. I didn't have that that feeling this year because we just know like our mortgage is going to stay the same forever. And like that alone is a wealth hack, just knowing that you can grow, but your mortgage can't. You can grow, but your expenses are going to stay the same. So another thing that I realized is the homes around here are just going like crazy. So when we first moved over here, we were like, we're like, I want to say the second phase of homes. We did that on purpose because they told us they're building 12 phases. You don't want to wait till the 11th or the 12th phase because the prices are going to steadily increase. So we're like, nah, we got to get in there ASAP. And so like, as soon as they said that these homes are available, my wife ran down here with a check to hold our spot. Boom, we got in here. We paid five fifty dollars for the house. The home right there, out my window that I'm looking at, the model home is listed for eight hundred and thirty thousand dollars raphael man
2: how much did you did you how much
0: did you pay? I paid five fifty
2: and the the home next door is eight hundred fifty and they're not even
0: done building over here a year and a half a year and a half. what stage do you think they are in right now? I'm sorry, Oh, what phase I'm not sure yeah, phase because they started to build more they're building down that way. they're in the process of building across the street because like I said, it was all dirt over here, so they built. It's a mixed community. So we have like some townhomes over there. Um, and then across the way, they're just going to be building single family homes. They're going to be building more commercial over here. So they're going to be improving that. But that's another thing a year. I never got any equity out of an apartment. But you know what the apartment owner did where we used to live, which is not too far from here. They just built a top golf, and they're in the process of building an Ikea across the way. And as they can continue to improve the amenities, all they're going to do is increase the rent on people who live there. That's all they're going to do. So when you rent and things improve, your life gets worse. Your life gets Mm. worse. You don't make, you're probably going to be making about the same amount of money and your expenses are steadily going up. But when you own and things improve, your life improves. Now, what's really cool is everybody who lives in my community is making money. So again, if everybody around you is rich, ain't nobody tripping. Ain't nobody mad. Everybody happy when they get money. I want to live around happy, wealthy people. I don't want to live around a bunch of miserable people who are getting squeezed by rent. And so like, that's another added bonus. And then lastly, is them sending that check back to us. I was just like blown away because quite honestly, imagine if that happens every single year. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with overpaying my taxes, knowing them by like 300 bucks a month, knowing that I'm going to get a $3,000 check every single year. That's pretty cool because my rent or my mortgage is is still cheaper than what it would have been if I was renting. I have a friend, he's a lawyer. He actually moved into where I I used to live and he told me he's paying $3,000 a month. I was like, damn, they charging you $3,000 a month to rent and you still got to commute to work. Like that's crazy. And so I, a lot of times and I don't really have this debate anymore on the timeline because it's just kind of a beaten horse. But I used to really go in on the benefits of home ownership and why people need to own a home versus rent. And people would get on there and they'd challenge me and they'd tell me all these different things. And I just got to the point where it's like, I don't need to have that conversation with you, man. My balance sheet to have that conversation. My balance sheet to talk for me. All these extra benefits we get in to talk for me. The fact that my mortgage never increased to talk for me, I don't need to talk. I'm happy. I'm comfortable. I'm in a position now. My wife really don't gotta work. Why? Because we bought a home.
2: You play. You think that buying the house was a big factor in your your wife being able to stay at home. I think so. I think
0: so. Um, because it gives you it gives you certainty. Like I know the mortgage never change, and I also know that I got dividends to take care of the mortgage. So like that is certainty. But if you don't know what your mortgage, and also because we're locked in. So, like, imagine if we're we're living how we're living now and we needed to get a new apartment and she didn't have any income. Then it'd be kind of tough, but we and don't have to look at that. And you're looking at her like, mm, you might have to go back to work. Right. I might need it just to prove that you got because these days you got to have three times the income to qualify for a house. You don't got to be able to pay for it. You got to be able to pay for it three times over. Or two and a half times, whatever the rule is, but a lot of single people cannot buy a home in California or cannot rent in California. Single people cannot rent in California. I know single people who like even if they make enough money to pay, they still make twice. My sister's in that situation where like she's applied for places and like, okay, well, yeah, you can afford it, and yeah, you get this income because she also gets like child support, but like we're not considering his income as a part of the household. We're considering the child support as a part of the income. I think they should argue that, but. That's just the way it is. So I know a lot of single people who cannot afford to get a house or get a, uh, an apartment in California right now. They need to move, but they can't even move to Dallas because Dallas is expensive. Atlanta's expensive now. You got to find the next spot. It might be Charlotte.
2: Mm, I don't know how long that's going to last because Charlotte's kind of been popping for a, a minute. Yeah. Man, so basically, Charles's advice is buy
0: some land and put a mansion on it. <laughs> that's the currency line. But yeah. I mean, that might be an option as well. Just buying some land and building. We got to get creative, man. And I I tweeted this. I said, there's no problem. Just opportunities to be creative. Like we have to create our way to success. Whatever people are telling you, F that. That's a part of their agenda. You got to create your own agenda. Yeah,
2: because letting someone put a limit on how much you make per month is
0: ghetto. 100%. Wrap this up pretty quick. Yeah, we've been talking. It's it's crazy. These episodes fly by, but I know I'm going to listen to it. And I know y'all gonna join that Patreon. Make sure you click that Patreon because we're gonna be adding so much value. And wherever we are in terms of value now, it's only going to increase more. If you're a part of the mastermind, you know the mastermind started off, we're doing like one call a week. Sometimes I was missing those calls. Um, Then we, we shifted, we're doing one strategy where we're working with like four different speakers. And now we do a call every single morning. We got shirts, we got mugs coming. We got a podcast coming. Like we really out here. So we only going to continue to add more dice to the and patreon so I, it will behoove you to get in there while it's cheap
2: and here's the thing about the patreon too it's not just tweet talk it's just not it's not just the two of us it's also michelle welch powerhouse it's a two for one baby both podcasts both of the Talk capital podcasts are in there and don't wait create don't wait so we're gonna wrap this up make sure y'all follow us on twitter like i said at tweet top pod pod follow us follow my man charles on twitter at real todd billion follow myself Raphael on twitter at work money life follow us on instagram at tweet talk podcast follow the parent company todd capital at todd capital man episode 126 tweet talk the black wealth podcast i'm gonna leave you guys with one last tweet Make sure you get you some dividends so people can say whatever. Episode 126 of Tweet Talk, the Black Boy Podcast. We are your hosts, Raphael
1: and Charles. Peace.